In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to unite us together by the blood of Christ, so that we may be one body. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's a story that has become basically myth for us here in the United States of America. It's a story that harkens back to a a time and a place in Appalachia where there were two families. And we know that those two families had basically irreconcilable differences. And in fact, that's really what the myth of the story is all about. The myth of the story, the the meaning that we attribute to that story is, is that there are just some people that we're not going to get along with. There's just some people that we are going to be a Hatfield and they're going to be a McCoy and there's going to be a dividing line and that is going to be the end of it. That story actually starts off before the Civil War in the United States. In fact, some people uh, that study the story actually think that it happens even before the Hatfields and McCoys even get to the United States of America. They think that it all happened, um, uh, that, that there was strife between these two families back in Scotland and Ireland, and maybe there was you know, some sort of a fist fight on the boat over, or something happened, and we don't really know what it is that's been lost in history. We know that there was animosity between the two families right away when they got here, but we don't know what that animosity really came from, where it really started from, but we know when it got violent. It got violent when there was a young man named Asa, Asa Hatfield, or Asa McCoy, rather, and Asa, well, unlike everybody else in his family, Asa decided that he was going to fight for the Union armies in the Civil War. And everybody else, all of the Hatfields, all of the McCoys, except for this Asa guy, well, they ended up being people that fought for the Confederate side of the war, except for Asa. Asa went off and he fought for the Union. Well, when Asa came back, having been a Union soldier, he came back to his hometown there, kind of at the border between Kentucky and West Virginia. When he came back, well, things They got violent because here he came back in a Union soldier amongst a whole bunch of defeated Confederate soldiers. And one day, it's still kind of shrouded in mystery again, one day at the lumber mill for the Hatfield clan, Asa lost his life. He was shot to death and that started this feud. And it actually isn't even clear that it was the, the Hatfields that killed Asa. In fact, there, there are all sorts of theories that it could be somebody else. It could have been other Confederate soldiers that did it. But that didn't matter at the time because at the time, those other theories didn't exist. It had to be those Hatfields that killed this young man. That started this feud back and forth between these two families. These two families that were, well, I mean, they they were kind of Appalachian gangsters. (laughs) Like, I mean, some real Bloods and Crips type stuff. 
um, uh, they, they were both moonshining families, and, and so um, they, they bumped up uh, against each other as they were making moonshine and, and trying to distribute it and sell it. They also um, were, were families that, that seemed to, well, always find themselves in some kind of trouble with the law. In fact, so much so that they ended up getting some of their family members into the law. And so you had not only rival gangs, but you also had rival courts that you could go to your own court and get acquitted. Or you could go to another court and you would get the death sentence for something like stealing. And it got very, very bloody. To the point, actually, that this finally ended by most of the Hatfields either being in prison or dead and the few remaining McCoys leaving the area and settling someplace else to finally get away from the violence. It's a very bloody history. And in some ways, it's not even quite so bloody as our Ephesians text today. Because in our Ephesians text today, you have a group that's sort of the Hatfields and the McCoys of the Ephesian church. You have the Hatfields and the McCoys of the early Christian church. These folks that were the Gentiles and the Jews. These two groups that used to be separated from one another, but now all of a sudden found themselves in the same place, in the same churches with one another. And trying to figure out how that worked. So in this letter that Paul is possibly writing to all of the churches in the area, he's writing about this conflict, about this separation that exists in the churches during his day. This sort of Hatfield and McCoy type separation. Because we don't really have that sense of how much animosity was really there. I mean, we're kind of like, well, uh, you know, we're not racist, and we don't hate Jews. Of course, we don't have a lot of Jews in this congregation, so, you know, proving that is kind of difficult, but we kind of go, well, we wouldn't be racist. You know, we, we would be okay with other people being around us. And so it's hard for us to consider, like, those different people and how much of a problem this would actually mean. We just kind of look at the early Christians and we go, well, yeah, you guys are Jews and Gentiles. Get over it. But they weren't getting over it. And that was clear from the language that Paul is using to write to these people. So he writes to them and he says, you who are called the uncircumcision. Now, that's a nice kind of like sanitized version of the Bible. It's, you know, kind of, yeah, it's the, the made-for-TV part of the movie where, you know, they insert other words instead of bad words that would normally be in the movie. So, you know, when you're watching Goodfellas on regular TV and everybody is saying, forget about everything... <laughs> Forget you, forget that, forget this. And you know what they're really meaning, but for TV it has to be forget that. Well here, in, in, instead of hearing what our translation says, really what that is saying is those of you who are called the foreskin. That, that's this derogatory term that the Jews are using for the Gentiles. 
And you can get a sense of how that's maybe a little bit more impactful than those of you who are called the uncircumcision. Well, they're calling each other names. They're going back and forth. And the reason for that is there is this great animosity between the two groups. In fact, there's an animosity where the Jews maybe resent the Gentiles being able to come into the church. And they say, you can't be a part of this church. And you also have resentment from the other side where the Gentiles are saying, who are you to tell me I can't be a part of this church? And you have this back and forth, this battling that happens. And it's dividing the churches. It's breaking them apart. And you go, well, thank goodness we don't live in that kind of a place anymore. Thank goodness we don't have that kind of a church. Or do we? When you look at the Christian church as a whole, when you look at the churches in Tallahassee, when you look at the churches in our church body, when you look at even as local as this gathering itself, we can see differences. Now maybe those differences aren't quite as filled with animosity as the people that are calling themselves the circumcised or the uncircumcised, but there are differences. Differences that a lot of times go along generational lines. Oh, that person's a college student. I'm not going to talk to them. (laughs) Or that person's not a college student. I'm not going to talk to them. And sometimes it's even a little bit less between the generations. You know, it's somebody who's just slightly younger. But I don't know what to say to that person. Maybe... It's not that at all. Maybe it has something to do with where you sit. Maybe you're part of the stalwart group of people with, well, very hard bottoms who are able to sit on the wooden chairs. Or maybe you're the exalted, luxurious people who sit on the cushy chairs. Or maybe you're back there in the court of the Gentiles with the couches. (laughs) But there's maybe even some more distinct differences that exist between us sometimes. Those distinct differences that cause us to not speak to one another. Those distinct differences that are the reason that we now are asking you two questions on a Sunday morning. The first one that is kind of the introspective question where you're talking to God and trying to figure out yourself, but also the question that forces you to turn around and talk to somebody close to you. And we had to come up with that idea And that says a lot. But the good news is that there is a way for us to get past all of our Hatfield and McCoy action. There's a way for us to get over all of our differences. There's a way for us to get away from these things that separate us. And it's the same thing that got 
the Gentiles and the Jews to see one another as fellow Christians. And that is the blood of Jesus. Now, that's kind of a weird saying, and we use that in, in a lot of weird ways. I mean, I've heard people say, Lord, I cover this problem with Jesus' blood, and I don't know what that really means. But I know what Jesus' blood means for me, and I know what Jesus' blood means for you. I know that what it means is that it was spilled so that we could be covered with it, like a sacrifice. That what happened when people, when animals were sacrificed to God, that what happened there was that people were covered with the blood of that sacrifice, and so that we could look at one another And we could say, hey, were you hit by the blood? I was hit by the blood too. Well, we share that in common. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, today, you have all been hit with the blood. Maybe you didn't feel it. But when I said, I forgive you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, You were hit with the blood. You were covered with the blood. To the point that if you imagine what it would be like to be so covered with blood that you couldn't tell what the person next to you really looked like. That's how much Jesus covered you. So that we can share in our commonality that common experience of all of us needing that blood and of all of us receiving that blood, receiving that forgiveness of our sins that unites us, that makes us one church, that places us together in a weird place like this with a weird bunch of people. Honestly, have you looked around? People that are different, people that are a different generation, people that are different races, people that are different, all sorts of things. God has brought us all together here by the power of his spirit so that we could all be hit with the same blood and sent out as his body, as his blood-covered body to exhibit who he is to a world that still needs that blood. He brings us together just as he brought all of those people together, those 5,000 people and gave them what they need. He brings all of us together as he brought together all of Israel who, was, who were being divided by their shepherds. He brings us together as a shepherd brings his flock together. So now may you this week May you imagine yourself and you, may you imagine every other Christian in this place as being covered head to toe with blood. And may just that commonality bring us together in a way that causes us to go out into this world to show them his body. Amen.